traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians worldwide. I hope everybody's healthy for the new year. I hope you're in good weather conditions because it's brutal out there. All across the, the, this country, the USA, it, it is brutal weather. And they've had some bad weather in Japan and, you know, you name it. They, you know, it's been bad everywhere. Uh, our call-in number is 323-744-4831. If you want to call and ask any questions, call and cuss me out or yell at me or I don't know what, just give us a call at 323-744-4831. Speaking of weather, Oakland Park cancels January 7th card due to wintry weather. So I'm showing you that this is, has been coming along for quite a few days here. And it started back about a week or so ago. Uh, weather was really bad. Um, you know, they had to cancel it. Uh, they were getting some, uh, you know, cold temperatures, a lot of snow, rain, you know, that type of thing. And that, that was tough. That was in Oakland and, and Hot Springs that they had to cancel. Uh, there are a lot of other tracks that will be canceling or limiting, uh, you know, their schedule. And, you know, like we've been talking before about uh, how they get there, the 2024 uh, uh, 2024 Kentucky Derby, um, you know, it's all how you get there. And now you're looking at these climate uh, conditions that we're going through, the mud, the snow, the cold, uh, the, the difference in temperatures, uh, you know, are dramatic. Some of these uh, temperature changes are 40 and 50 degrees, uh, you know, for, for the worse. And that's what makes it tough. And you're trying to train horses. And, you know, we're looking at, at the Kentucky Derby coming up in, you know, in about, um, oh, about, uh, you know, four months. And, and it's tough, you know, because you see the counseling in hot screen on the seventh. And that, that means they're not training. You know, and, you know, you're watching the uh, hot springs today and the track's muddy, uh, you know, but it, it's it's getting better. Of course, at uh, Gulfstream in Miami, uh, they've had their share of rain and, and water. Santa Anita's had their share on the West Coast. Uh, New York, they're getting ready to really get hammered. So we know that uh, that Aqueduct will probably be limiting their schedule, if not, can if not at all, canceling. And it's just hard to you know, keep these horses going, especially in the cold weather when you, you know, you, you know, it's possible these guys could leave four or five days of training. And uh, that that's going to be the tough part, uh, you know, about it. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what to say. It's just one of those things, but uh, we'll get over with it. Horses are made to endure. People are made to endure. And that's uh, all there is to it. We're going to get through it. That's for sure. Hey, um, you know, for the last week or so, we've been talking about um, the different things that uh, we're doing in the, in the horse industry as a whole, and that's all breeds, uh, standard breeds, show horses, uh, you know, AQHA, uh, everybody. And everybody's on a real heavy-duty marketing campaign. Uh, finally, the horse industry has come around uh, after years of totally, totally ignoring marketing. And, um, you know, that's what we're about here at uh, International Equine Net Network, the distribution of equine information. And that's where it starts. you got to have that information before you can market anything. And our industry is finally starting to realize that, you know, hey, that's what, what, what it's all about. And so several of the big companies and big horse people in, in, the, in the business have decided to start marketing. <laughs> uh, Spencer Farm, for example, uh, they're contributing uh, $50,000 to light up racing. And uh, it's kind of a uh, a different marketing. Uh, it, it's not like marketing Churchill Downs or, you know, Spencer Farm or, uh, you know, uh, any of the races that are coming up like the Pegasus. Uh, Spencer Farm has made a generous co contribution of $50,000 to support Light Up Racing initiative. Light Up Racing is a community-driven effort dedicated to shaping the future of the thoroughbred horse industry, uh, horse racing, uh, by promoting transparency, awareness, and accountability. And this is what I like. 
And these are the kind of things that we really do need to have in place before we start marketing, you know, the racing entity or the breeding industry, uh, you know, type of thing. Um, what they, what they do is, uh, uh, they make everything, uh, a, a mission, like a mission statement. It's to educate both the horse racing industry and the public on, uh, evidence-based practices with strong emphasis of horses' welfare and transparency. Our goal is to reshape the perceptions of the, uh, and foster the well-informed community, uh, providing accurate, scientifically backed information. We empower community members to become a part, uh, become a knowledgeable industry ambassadors and ensuring uh, the sustainability and thriving uh, future for the horse racing industry. So in other words, what they're, they're doing, they're kind of coming at it at a, at a, at a good way. Uh, first, they're going to educate, uh, the public about the horse racing industry. And, and second, they're going to educate the horse people about the industry and what they have to do as far as rules and regulations and, you know, how to present a good product. Uh, for example, one of the things that they've done that's really picked up a lot. Uh, they've given incentives out to the groom on stake on stake race days uh, that, where they can get up to $500 as being the, the best dressed uh, entry. And what that means is that um, when the grooms go to the paddock, they're, they're dressed, you know, properly and usually in, you know, in stable colors. Um, the horses are immaculate. There's not a hair that hasn't been brushed on their, on their body. Uh, uh, you know, they're good looking. Uh, Everything's clean, neat, you know, and presentable. And then uh, they have a committee that will give the best dressed groom and horse, you know, a, a prize. Uh, some sometimes it's up as five hundred dollars. But uh, that, that's one of the one of the many facets that we have in the business that we're trying to get across to, uh, you know, the general public, education about the horse industry, and presenting something to the eye that's nice. Uh, I always say and always have said forever since I've been in the horse business, the eye don't lie. When you look at that horse, when you look at that groom, you can tell what kind of people they are, who they are, where they come from, what they do, how they do it, and how they live. Because if you got a groom that's uh, taking good care of himself and presenting himself well, then he's going to do the same with the horse. And that, that's the main thing is, is the horse. You got to have the horse because he's the product. And same thing with the, uh, uh, you know, racing facilities, uh, you know, like Churchill Downs, uh, Belmont is redoing, uh, they're rebuilding Belmont over the next two years, uh, to make it more, uh, more, uh, how I would I say it more, uh, desirable for the open, uh, for the public to come in. And, and at these facilities, they're going to have things that are going to educate the uh, people around in the horse business. Uh, most of the facilities have like a small museum or, you know, a place where you can go in and, and see the history, you know, of, of the facility. Um, and like I said, you know, they started on Belmont this year. Uh, Pimlico and Laurel in Maryland, uh, they're getting ready to redo that over the next two or three years. Uh, the Preakness could end up being held at Laurel for a couple of years instead of at Pimlico until they get completed. And so, you know, it's those are the kind of things that we're doing. And really back back in the day, I'm talking about seven, eight years ago, nine years ago maybe, Gulfstream, you know, spearheaded it. They, they tore Gulfstream down and, and they rebuilt it and, and made it presentable. They got the casino and they got the mall and they got five-star restaurants and they got everything that's there. So, you know, it's trying to help our industry along because we certainly need it. And the only way we can do our industry is to get up and have uh, the things that we have. Uh, you know, that, that's the thing that we need to do. And, you know, I'm telling you, it gets kind of crazy on that track sometimes. I'm telling you, it sure does. And you don't know uh, what they're going to do and how. Still is a very, very good uh, example. Uh, they made it fan friendly. They've done everything that they could possibly do 
you know, there for it. And then that turn in turn leads to making it track friendly for the uh, uh, for for the horsemen, and it's really getting good now. And that's what we're excited about here in in our business is seeing who we got, where where they're going, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. It's really good. So now, having said that, all the other places are getting their facilities upright. We're looking at the showgrounds in Wellington. Tremendous, tremendous uh, improvement on it. Uh, they got another showgrounds up by Wellington going in into uh, operation. Uh, you're talking about um, the World Equine Center in Ocala. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And then we're talking about uh, oh, um, Tryon in North Carolina. It just goes on and on and on. And so that's what we're trying to do is give the, the general public a great place to go, a great place to, you know, vacation, like a Disney World for horses is what we're trying to do. So everybody's joining in, all the farms, all the owners, all the people, all the grooms, everybody is is jumping in. So that's what we're hoping for at every track. So now we're going to talk about Britain. Britain has joined the bandwagon, too. They've launched a premier marketing initiative that started January 1st, and they got 170 meetings, our designated premier fixtures. In other words, when they say meeting in Europe, that means racetracks. So they got 170 racetracks in, in, in Europe that they're going to, well, actually Britain, that they're going to be doing things like they're doing here in the States. They're trying to get... Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing going, uh, uh, one of the things they're going to do is a lot of television, a lot of Internet, uh, you know, everything just to get that product out there. And they found that the success to, um, uh, you know, the the development of our sport and, and the increase in, you know, attendance is having the ability to view and find out about, you know, the business, to watch the races. Like, for example... Um, here at uh, IEN, we have uh, America's Day at the Races is on right now. And uh, that's what's really uh, the point that we're trying to get across here. You can go here and see, uh, you know, live racing across the country. we got racing from uh, Tampa Bay Downs, Oakland, um, Aqueduct. Uh, you know, we've got everything that, that, that you need to see. And we try to keep it, you know, pretty much up to date. It's quite a tedious task because uh, most of the uh, links that we have to the racetracks for live racing has to be done around three, between three and five o'clock in the morning uh, is when all the, you know, the the specifics and the the technical, you know, end of it comes out, but they're doing that. And what I like about it is with the internet and with uh, all the TVGs and RTNs and, you know, all all the uh, uh, video that we have out there, uh, it's all international. You know, you can watch uh, live racing from uh, South Africa on IEN in the mornings. You know, we, we try to get that up when, when we, uh, you know, they got the programming going. Uh, we've got live racing from uh, uh, Europe, uh, harness racing and, and, and thoroughbred racing. Uh, so it's like a 24-hour uh, deal, you know, live. And so that's really helping. So everybody's kind of coming together now to to get together to do the marketing, you know, on uh, on on the industry as a whole, you know, not just thoroughbreds, but everybody. And one of the things that I, I like about the marketing aspect of it, and I wish a lot of people would go. Uh, you could uh, Google any of the farms, you know, you can um, uh, just Google horse farms uh, in your area. And the, the stallion farms are having an open house schedule that are coming up uh, in early January. And what I like about it is you can go out uh, to example. Uh, we'll give you a good example in which I worked at was One Star Farm uh, will host an open house from January 7th to the 11th uh, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern time. The open house uh, will be held at the Farm Stallion Complex on Paines Mill uh, Road in Versailles. Visitors are welcome without an appointment to view the One Star roster for 2024. 
so what they're doing is they're opening up the farm and giving everybody a, a look at you know how that operation runs. And and I know the date the dates on there have already passed, but this is an ongoing thing that you can go and see these farms. And uh, every farm uh, likes to show off their stallions, uh, the ones that are making them the money. And, you know, you just uh, Google that farm or, or, you know, just Google, you know, horse farms in Lexington, and they'll give you a list of all the things that you go can go and see and do. And it's always a good family thing, you know, to, to be able to do that. Uh, I know the kids like it. Uh, you know, they get all excited about it. And then, uh, you know, when the derby rolls around and all the big races roll around, you can say, well, I saw, you know, uh, that horse's daddy. I saw his mama. Uh, you know, at, at the Wind Star Farm, and it's really good, you know, to see. Um, and so there's a lot of things you can do in the horse industry, you know, that doesn't cost you uh, a lot of money or anything at all. A lot of this is free. Uh, you can go see. Um, one of the things that I would suggest uh, that you do is you go to um, uh, a state horse park, uh, like the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington. Uh, they have quite an extensive uh uh, display of history of the horse industry and it's really really good to go see uh they have good horse shows there they've got polo uh they've got all kinds of demonstrations uh you know it's just unbelievable what you can see there at the uh at the horse uh, park in lexington and then they've got a nice horse park in uh, florida and, and most states have you know a horse park because it's part of the economy you know of each state and also that that really looks really looks uh, good to uh, you know kill some time as you say, but no, it is uh, it's something good for the farm family. Um, we've got the 2023 Eclipse Awards finalists were announced, and I tell you what, this year it's completely different than it was last year. We'll say um, for two-year-old males, we have uh, fierceness, locked, and moot. Uh, Bafford and Pletcher got the top three, uh, this year. The Phillies, uh, we have, uh, Candied, Hard to Justify, and Just Fi. Uh, nice, nice two-year-old Phillies. Uh, really nice. <laughs> Better than, than we've had in years past. Uh, then we come down to the three-year-old Phillies. We got, uh, Maui and uh, Randomize. We got, uh, older dirt male horse, Cody's Wish. And I, I hope everybody knows the story of Cody's Wish. Uh, you can uh, Google Cody's Wish, and uh, it's a tremendous story and a great movie. And, and we've just got an endless list of uh, horses. Male Sprinter, I think, well, it'll be Cody's Wish this year for Male Sprinter for the Eclipse Award. Uh, it's going to be hard to bring him down, uh, that's for sure. Um, Maple Leaf Mel, um She's a great, great sprinter, female sprinter. Uh, she should win her her division. Um, I tell you, it's a female turf horse. I like it. It's it's a, uh, an Italian. Uh, that that horse can really flat out run. You don't know if she's going to win until until the last two steps. Uh, she's a good horse. Uh, there's just so many uh, good things here. You know that we have breeder of the year it could be Calumet Farm or Go Dolphin. Um, Chad Brown could be trainer of the year or Brad Cox. I, I honestly think it'll be Billy Mott will be trainer of the year. Uh, but Chad Brown uh, has a good uh, statement that he made. Uh, Brad Cox is always consistent. He's always there. Um, I tell you, it's just one thing after the other in our business. We've always got some kind of get together or doings going on, you know, uh, and during the week or, you know, wherever. Uh, but I, I really do. I think Cody's wish, uh, uh, you know, should should win. He, that horse was just phenomenal over the last two years. Uh, you know, it's just going to be an unbelievable uh, night for them. Uh, it'll be coming up here at the Eclipse Awards here in West Palm Beach. Um, the National Thoroughbred Association has launched a so social media campaign, and here we're going back talking about marketing again. Um, I tell you, it's it's going to be a, a tremendous amount of information coming out on the Internet here in the next, I'd say, four or five months. 
uh, you know, we've got so many things that are coming to TV. Uh, we've got um, uh, the Eclipse Awards. We've got uh, the Derby, the Triple Crown, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of different things uh, that are coming on. Uh, you can watch uh, the Eclipse Awards on FanDuel TV from the Breakers in Palm Beach uh, County, Florida, January 25th, starting at 5.30 p.m. And you can watch that on FanDuel TV and just and YouTube. And we might even have it up here on uh, on IEN if we, if we play our cards right and everything. So, you know, like we're, like we're saying, it's really good uh, about the things that we're doing here, marketing, you know, for our business. We finally realize, you know, what the deal is. We finally realize, you know, and it has been known. We've all known it for 10 years. We've all known it. It's marketing. It's distribution of information. And all these tracks wouldn't be doing what they're doing uh, like they are, uh, you know, here in the States. Um, we've got Gulfstream that rebuilt. We've got um, uh, Churchill that is in the process of rebuilding. We got Keeneland that's in the process of rebuilding. We got uh, Belmont Park in the process of rebuilding. We got Laurel. We got Pimlico rebuilding. And I, I'm telling you, it's going to be it's going to be amazing uh, what they've done. And the, the situation uh, at uh, Pimlico was very very interesting. Um, we, we've got a lot of things that are going to be related to this uh, Pimlico. Uh, closure and rebuilding it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh friday may 13th uh, uh they decided that they could move the uh, preakness, preakness out of baltimore that was one of the things that uh, you know they were thinking about moving it to another track another state um may 17th 2018 the former jockey club president preakness must stay in baltimore december 13th 2018 report uh, track that horses from the Preakness should be demolished. You know, all, all the racetracks should be demolished. Um, uh, Friday, March 22nd, 2019, racetrack owner, no plan to keep Preakness in Baltimore. Saturday, April the 6th, 2019, Baltimore lawmakers oppose uh, bill due to Preakness concerns. Um, they were worried about it. They, they, they thought they were going to move. Um you know, that that was uh, interesting. You know, in fact, Saturday, October 5th, 2019, uh, uh, Mayor Dell reached uh, out to the Preakness uh, to keep the Preakness in Baltimore, um, the Preakness people. Uh, February 26, 2020, Maryland Bill would develop a home of Preakness horse races, horse racing. Um, Monday, uh, May 11th, 2020, Pimlico. Uh, to be renovated and kept Preakness, uh, keep Preakness after bill passes on the, uh, the state government. See, now they're fighting it and fighting and, and they're arguing and fighting with each other about where to keep it, what to do with it. And then they realized the economic impact that the Preakness had on Maryland and the city of Baltimore. And they, they realized that if they did that, that would be, that would be a, a replacing a lot of people and a lot of, you know, income that was coming in. Um, Monday, May 11th, 2020, uh, Pimlico uh, to be renovated and keep pregnant after bill passes. Wednesday, uh, February 24th, Pimlico development underway, but neighbors are skeptical. You see all the people, that's when all the people come out of their houses and say, hey, I don't know if we want to have all this building going on, you know, if it's going to work. And then Tuesday, May 10th, Baltimore 2022, prepares for the 147th uh, Preakness, renewed questions about investments in Pimlico. So it, it was, you know, it was kind of, you know, back and forth between the, the, the people, the community, the state, uh, the racing industry. Uh, you know, that, that's what they were looking at. And um, I tell you, it, it looks good. It looks good for Baltimore. Uh, they, they have no, on May 16th, 2023, no clear timeline on, uh, Pimlico re re redevelopment despite promises to invest $375 million. That's how much the state was going to put into, you know, rebuilding Pimlico. And, you know, 
it's something that you really got to uh, take a look at. You got to realize that, yeah, you're going to spend $375 million, but how much would the community lose if they don't have the Preakness at Pimlico? How much money would the gas stations, the hotels, the restaurant lose? You know, it, it would be, it would be really bad. I mean, it would really be bad, you know, for them to do that. So, you know, all in all, it's all about marketing. And, and you, what, what we do is we look at the industry as a whole. Uh, I'll give you a good example that, um, uh, that'll put it all into perspective. We're going to talk about the Kentucky Derby, just like the Preakness, the Belmont, or any of the other big races. Um, the Kentucky Derby location is Churchill Downs, Louisville, Kentucky, USA. Inaugurated in May 17th of 1875 uh, for thoroughbreds. Uh, they've got major sponsors, uh, Woodford Reserve, Brown Foreman, uh, you know, plus, you know, 150 other, you know, sponsors at different levels. Um, it's run, the race is run at a mile and a quarter, 10 furlongs. Uh, the record is held by Secretary at 159 and 4 in 1973. It's a dirt surface, left-handed turns. Uh, to, to qualify for the Derby, uh, you got to go through the point systems and be a three-year-old colder gelding or filly. Um, just raise the, the purse from three million up to five million for for the Derby. Uh, it's just it's just phenomenal how they come up with this money when they realize how much is going to be lost if they, you know, if they don't support, you know, the racing end of it. Um, you know, this, you're looking at, in 1973, Secretariat ran a minute 59 and four to set the, set the record that Northern Dancer had since 1964. Now that, that, that uh, track, has uh, produced winners after winners after winners, but only Monarchos uh, got to a minute 59 and 9. Um, and it was the first year that they used hundreds of a second instead of fifths. So, you know, you got a legitimate claim to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, he tied the record or holds the record too. Uh, it, it's just amazing, you know, all these historical things that you start looking at when you go back, you know, and everything uh, that's around the Derby. Uh, millions, of, millions of people from around the world uh, bet at various live tracks online and sports books. In 2017, a crowd of 158,000 watched a horse that we had here at Palm Beach Downs, always dreaming, uh, win the Kentucky Derby. You know, that's, a, that's 158,000 people that were there to watch that. Uh, win the Derby, making it the seventh biggest attendance in the history of the racetrack. Uh, the track reported a wagering total of $209 million from the sources on uh, all the races on the Kentucky Derby Day. Now, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to bet, you know, right there. It's, it's just, you know, when you look at it, it's it just boggles your mind at the things that they do. Now, if you got 158,000 people at Churchill Downs on, you know, on Derby, you know, on Derby Day, and you got quite a few, you get over 100,000 on the Kentucky Oaks, and and you know, quite a few come during the week. How many Pepsi's do you think those people buy in in the community of Louisville? How many pizzas do you think they buy? How many cans of beer and booze? You know, that's all into the economy. You know, uh, it's just amazing. Just think if everybody bought a six-pack of beer, you're looking at 158,000 six-pack of beer, you know, or if they all bought a pizza, 158,000 pizzas. It's a lot of money, you know, that you do. But what the point I'm making is, is the fact that they um, they're, they're, they publicize, you know, they're doing things constantly to help the, you know, the the fan and the patrons and and the way they do that, the, just having the Derby itself, you know, has been good. You know, I mean, you get a lot of people with that, but you can get a lot more if you educate them and you give them things, you know, to see and do. Uh, 
And what I like about Churchill and just about all the other tracks, they have some type of a museum type of thing that you can go in and see. But Churchill Downs, I love it. You can go over there, uh, whether by yourself, your girlfriend, your wife, take the family, and take everybody. And they have what they call in the morning breakfast at the Downs. You can go over and you can watch the horses train. You can walk right up to the rail. Uh, you can see um, everything that's there. Uh, the outriders will come over and tell you the name of their ponies and what they do and, you know, what an outrider is. And, and it's all about education. You know, you can see uh, some of the horses training for the derby out there and, the, and they let you know who they are and, you know, where they are. And, and also you can go do that. And that, that's a great way to start off a day. And then after training's over, uh, at any time you can, you can go over to the museum. But um, usually the training stops about 10.30 in the morning. And then you can go over to the museum. And uh, the museum is fantastic. They've got an actual starting gate in the museum. They've got videos. They've got movies. Uh, they've got all kinds of uh, different things. They've got the trophies. Uh, they've got horseshoes. They've got a, um, you know, a little gift shop in there. And you can learn any and everything about the horses you want to know. And then if you want to make it an all-day thing and they're racing at Churchill, then you can go to the races that afternoon. But, you know, it's really nice. And all the tracks are really, um, you know, really good about uh, educating, showing people, you know, about the horses. Uh, and uh, they got a backside tour at Churchill on most of the tracks. And uh, when I say backside tour, you you go there and they take you around, you know, in, in, a, um, in a van. Uh, you know, and they show you the backside while they're training in the morning. Uh, you know, you can see them getting bass. You can see them getting the saddles put on. You can see them training on the track. And, and it's really a good tour to go through. And, uh, you know, it's the backside tour. And most of the tracks have them, have the backside tours and everything. And you can see how they prepare for the Kentucky Derby. And speaking again of the Kentucky Derby, um, we had a... Uh, a qualifier for uh, for points for the Kentucky Derby uh, back on January 1st. Uh, we really started getting into it. We had uh, races prior to that that were point qualifiers, but um, these races are more, uh, how should I say, uh, these these are the, the real serious horses that, that are on a, on a journey to get to the Kentucky Derby. And you got to have points, you know, to get into the Kentucky Derby. And the one, first one there was at Oakland Park. It was the Smarty Jones Stakes, uh, three hundred thousand added, uh, you know, for, for to the race. Um, I tell you, it, it was a nice race, but it really didn't, you know, light me up. Uh, the, all these horses were good. Um, there's a lot of them in here that we thought were going to do real good, but just weren't ready yet. Uh, you know, I tell you, I, I like that Gettysburg was in here. was good. Uh, Who's Winning was good. Uh, uh, that's a nice horse. Uh, Fidget was a good horse. And they just, they were still young. You know, they just, the day before they were two-year-olds and, you know, January 1st, they're three-year-olds. And all, but it, it was a good race. Uh, and it was called Catching Freedom. Won it, trained by Brad Cox. Uh, he was, you know, he's a great trainer. And you know, we'll see where he pops up coming down the list because he's going to have to run two more times, maybe three. But uh, depending, well, he's got Derby points, so you know, he might get away with two more times to the first of May and everything. Uh, we had uh, the drum stakes up at uh, Aqueduct. Uh, drum roll, please. Doesn't miss a beat in the Jerome. Oh, boy, he was good. He's two for two as a three-year-old. Uh, he, he's nice horse. Um, at the start of the year, he was right on the money. But we're going to see if he bounces off this race. We're going to see how, you know, he holds up to, you know, uh, with the training and pushing down the road for, you know, that what we're, you know, what they're doing. Uh, he, he's a nice horse, but you know, like I said they're all still young, and I, I, I don't really put a lot of stock in 
in the January races for the three-year-olds. Um, you know, a lot of these horses, you know, are just turning three, uh, three, and you don't know if they're a May foal or an April foal or a January foal until you look at, you know, at their statistics and it makes a big difference. They're like kids. They're growing up. They get those growth spurts and they just go, you know, go for it and everything. But he, he is a nice looking horse and trained, trained very well and everything. So, but, um, you know, I, I just really don't think about, you know, the, the horses this year, this early. Um, he's going to run, uh, for the 150, for the 154th time, January 6th at Aqueduct Racetrack, uh, has been serving as a showcase for pre-derby winners. And, and that's pretty, it's a pretty nice race. It's, uh, you know, people are serious by the time they get there with them. Uh, you know, it's, it's not too bad at all uh, for them. Everything, boy, oh boy, I tell you, it's a rough day today out here at the farm. We got 80 degree weather today. You know, have 50 degree weather this afternoon. So that'll be interesting, you know, for, for the horses in training down here. Butcher's got all his horses down here at Palm Beach Downs getting them ready for all the derby prep races and all the big stake races and everything. So, you know, it's something that we have to look at, you know, and, and talking with, uh, uh, several of my friends this morning, uh, we were talking about the increase in the Kentucky Derby, the purse money. It went from three million to five million. And so all of a sudden now we've got all these million dollar races, two, three million dollar races and everything. But shoot, everybody would like to win a Kentucky Derby, you know, five million. But there's a multitude of races that lead up to the Kentucky Derby that are worth a million dollars. You know, so you could come in and, and uh, have a million and a half dollars in earnings, just went in, went in uh, a couple of races in, in, the, in the spring and, you know, in late winter. Um, you know, it's just interesting, you know, to see you, you got to go for the money. You know, some of these trainers kind of realize that, hey, I, you know, I may not have a derby winner, but by golly, I can get up there and, and catch me some of that money and going into the weekend at Churchill, you know, with $2 million in the bank. And, and you're going to see several horses this year in the Derby that have already earned a million dollars coming into the Derby. And that's going to be surprising because there's a lot of good races out there, you know, for for these horses that are coming coming up. Uh, but, you know, like I said, they got a 25, they got a three, uh, from three millions to five million. Uh, you know, that's a good, that's a good amount of money up, you know, for it. Uh, they got a lot, and they, they've upped the game in a lot of their other races too. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that, that they're doing. But how do you get that money? You get it through sponsors and you get it through attendance and you get it through having a nice facility that you have there. You know, that's, uh, one of the things that you have to do. And, you know, I, I told, I told, uh, a trainer friend of mine, my case one day we were talking uh we were talking at a training center in indiana right outside of louisville we were talking about purse money and back in the day there wasn't much you know purse money there and we were talking about you know everybody wants to get to the derby how do you do it how do you do it well first of all you gotta you gotta get with your owner and the trainer have to decide what horses they're going to point for in the kentucky derby you know, in their barn, if they got one or more, you know, it, it's, it's really a good thing. But, you know, we're just going to go through what they're, what they're going through right here and now. Last December, they pretty much knew what kind of stock they were going to have three year olds by what they'd already done in 2023. So they kind of weeded them out and they, they said, okay, you know, we've got maybe we got three or four horses that possibly could be you know, a, a derby contender. And so they start looking, you know, and say, okay, well, we're going to like run the Arkansas Derby, uh, maybe the Tampa Bay Derby, and then the Derby, the Kentucky Derby. Or maybe they're going to run the Florida Derby and, uh, you know, the Santa Anita Derby and then the Derby. So that that's the, the problem they have is getting into those big races to make sure they got the points to get into the Derby. 
And then all of a sudden you start looking at some things, you know, and, and you start saying, okay, what's Bob Baffert got? What's Lucas got? What Pletcher uh, got? Chad Brown, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brad Cox, you know, those, those kind of guys. You know, you start looking and saying, what they got? And they're surfacing up, you know, and you start looking and saying, well, you know, those horses, they're doing pretty good. And so then you start saying where they're going to be going at, where they're pointing them towards. And, uh, you know, I got a big kick out of this. Uh, there's a horse called Dornich. And he is targeting the Fountain of Youth and the Bluegrass and the Wood Memorial. It's what he's targeting. Those are his three that he's looking to. Danny Gargan has him. Um, uh, he won, he won the Remsen with him, which was a big derby prep race. And so now, you know, he, he's right on track with this horse. And so he, he's done laid out his, his, uh, journey. Fountain of Youth, Bluegrass, maybe the Wood, two races. Two races that he's going for. You know, he's made the money. If he gets, if he wins in one of those or both of those, you know, he'll be, he'll be the point, he'll be a point leader, you know, in, in there. And I said, you know, this guy, we've got to start watching him and see, and see what he, he's thinking. Uh, he's rated ninth. He's got 10 points right now. And, um, you know, it looks like he, he might be going to do something with him, but at least it's a game plan. You know, you're looking at Fountain of Youth, which is here in Florida, which he's stabled at, at uh, Palmetto's racetrack over there training. Okay, so we know that he, that the likelihood of him having bad weather is not going to be real, uh, real high. Uh, he's going to have pretty much good weather for the Fountain of Youth. So now, having said that, you got to start looking at the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland just a couple of weeks, uh, three or four weeks before the Derby. And then the Wood Memorial, same distance, same place, uh, you know, at, but at Aqueduct. And now you're looking at the weather. What kind of weather conditions could he have in New York? Could it be rainy? Could it be snowy? Could it be cold? You know, those are things that you got to look at because that's the time of year. You know, weather in New York's not that great. You look at bluegrass, the bluegrass stakes. The weather that time of year in Lexington can be dicey. Uh, I've been there when it snowed. On bluegrass day, you know, and it was cold. I've been there when it's rained and rained and rained, you know, bluegrass week. So, you know, that's another thing that, that you know, that you got to look at. But see, he's got this all laid out and he's got a, you know, and he, he understands. He said, you know, he understands that doggone it, it might be, you know, rainy here. So he, he's got contingency plans that are going for that. So that's what I, uh, you know, start thinking about. And then you start looking at the, at the top, the, the top 10. Uh, well, I'd say the top 20. Uh, we're looking at fierceness with Todd Pletcher trained, Locke, Todd Pletcher trained. Fierceness got 30 points, Locke's got 19. Uh, then we come back, Jerome Row plays, has got 13. Donich has got 10. You know, so you got a lot of horses that are really good horses that are trying to find their journey to the Derby. You know, and the trainer's playing the point game. You know, how many races would I have to run in to get to the Derby? Two, three, maybe. How many would I have to win to get points enough to get into the Derby? One or two. You know, one or two. So now, you know, it's really getting tough on the owner and the trainer, what you're, what you're doing with it. Um, I tell you, the thing I like, let's start looking at the top 50 on the first, uh, on the first of, uh, January. I try to see where they're all at. We got some real good horses. We got some real good horses. And I was really amazed to see the route some of these trainers are thinking about taking. Now, I'll give you a good example. Bob Baffert, he's not going to be able to run in the Derby this year because of the situation that, that he's in. The Baffert's got these horses on schedule. And it's not that 
it's not that he is pointing for a certain race uh, after the Derby. But this is the way Bob's always been. Right now, he's got horses that are running that were legitimate Kentucky Derby horses. He's got, um, oh, let's see, let me take a one off of right hand. He's got Moot, could be horse of the year. He's got um, Pilot Commander, good horse. Uh, so there's two right there. And so we know that they're not going to run in the Derby because he'd have to send them to another trainer to get them to run in the Derby, be eligible for the Derby. I don't think Bob's going to do that with these, especially Moot. Uh, I think what he's going to do with, with these two horses, he's prepping them for races at uh, Pimlico for, you know, the Preakness Stakes. That's what he's doing. And every track has a lot of stake races that are, you know, potentially, you know, the the uh, breaking out race for some of these good stake horses that are coming up. And this one is uh, the St. Vincent uh, in uh, uh, Santa Anita. It was on January the 6th. And let me tell you something. You know, Baffert goes in there and he wins these things. But, you know, I know in my mind that he's, he's headed for the Preakness with that horse. He, he's headed for the Preakness with that one. Um, we got the race coming up uh, on Saturday, the 20th, uh, at uh, the fairgrounds, and, and it's a local month. Uh, it's a French word, I think, and I'm not good on pronunciation. I don't have a lot of book learning, so it makes it kind of tough. But um, And that's going a mile and a 16th. And it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, like we're talking about the St. Vincent and, uh, um, or St. Vincent at, uh, Santa Anita. Uh, this is a mile on the 16th, $200,000 is the purse, but it does have derby points. And also, uh, that's on January the 20th. And then you springboard out of that. You got this, uh, Southwest stakes at Oakland on the 27th of January. Uh, you got the Holy Bull, uh, with, uh, at Gulfstream. You got the, uh, Robert B. Lewis at Santa Anita. You got the Wither Stakes again at Aqueduct. And see, that's what's interesting to see is how many horses ship into Aqueduct for that. Uh, that's the Wither Stake on, uh, February 3rd. And then you come back at Aqueduct, uh, a month later and you got the Gotham Stakes. And then you come back uh, uh, two months later, and you've got the Wood Memorial at uh, Aqueduct. So, you know, you're fighting all these different things, the weather, the transportation. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just tough all the way around. But the money is there. The money is there. So, you know, if you don't get derby points, at least you can, you know, pick up some money. And the Southwest is $800,000 this year. Uh, you know, you're looking at, again, the Rebel Stakes at Oakland is a million two fifty, And then you come back and the Louisiana Derby's a million. Um, the UA Derby's a million. Florida Derby's a million. Arkansas Derby's a million five. So see what they've done is they've actually got uh, uh, the race books, the races lined up through marketing and advertising and all the things that they're doing, they've got those purses way up there. Now, you know, let's say let's say you go into, let's take Hot Springs, for example. Uh, you go into the Hot Springs, and, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, pretty good deal. you got the Smarty Jones, which is 300000 you know, that you, that you uh, yeah, that you go to. Smarty Jones is 300000 then you come back again, you know, at uh, at Hot Springs, and you start looking. At, you got the Southwest is eight hundred thousand. You know, then you come back uh, again at Oakland. You got the Rebel, a million two hundred fifty thousand. And then you go uh, uh, back to Hot Springs again, and you're sitting there like, "Gee, what is Arkansas Derby's a million five. You know, right there, you're looking at 
almost $5 million, you know, in purse eligibility to staying at the Oakland meet. And that's what they're trying to do with this purse money. Every track is bumping those purses up. And what makes it nice is, you know, you really don't have to travel. And a lot of these trainers, what they're doing is they're training for, you know, those purses and staying there at Hot Springs. And I'm telling you, it's really, it's really good on a horse. If you can stay in the same facility training and not have to ship a lot because, you know, you're looking at shipping sickness, you're looking at weather, you're looking at a change of environment, change of water, change of everything. And, you know, uh, that, that could be detrimental to your horse. So the, the racetracks have come around and are keeping those big name horses and those big name trainers at their track, but offering them a lot of money. And then you see who will ship in, you know, um, the Pletcher's got three or four nice horses this year. Todd Pletcher does. And, you know, he's targeting the Florida Derby. Uh, he's ta- targeting, uh, well, the Fountain of Youth, the Florida Derby. Uh, he's targeting, uh, you know, for what he's going to do. Now you're looking at, um, uh, you're looking at Hot Springs. They've got their three big races. The Fairgrounds got their three. Uh, Santa Anita's got a plethora of, uh, races that they have out there where owners can make money. So, you know, you literally don't have to travel a lot. You can still win a lot of money, and you can put a a good win and black-type resume on your horse's, you know, career. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that because the Derby, it sneaks up on you quick. You know, it sneaks up on you real quick. Uh, This is one of the only weekends from here to the Derby that there aren't any uh, Kentucky Derby prep races. You know, uh, our next one, you know, will be at the fairgrounds on the 20th. And you know, so, you know, that's something that that's uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens, uh, you know, with it. And, it, you know, it comes to, to, you know, everybody wants to win the Derby. Don't give me, don't, don't anybody, let, don't let anybody tell you that, you know, oh, well, you know, there's other races. Well, sure, there's other races, but the Derby's the most prestigious. But unfortunately, for the Kentucky Derby, not very many of them go on to do good after after the Derby. You know, and, and you know, and I, I just it just blows my mind, you know, to see what happens, you know, with the Derby uh, and the Triple Crown. You know, that, that's going to be interesting to see what ha- happens with it. But, um, you know, everybody's always trying to say, well, oh, yeah, well, I won the Derby, you know, and nothing after that. You know, and then the next guy says, well, I ran, you know, in the Derby, didn't do very well, but I made $9 million afterwards. You know, and not many not many Derby horses go on to do very well. It's kind of like the kiss of death. They, they say if you win the Breeders' Cup Classic, I actually ran the Breeders' Cup um, uh, uh, juvenile. You don't win the Derby. You know that's what they're all saying. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know what happens with everything. You know coming up, that's coming up, and also, um, you know, we're always keeping our eyes out, keeping everything, uh, you know, open. Uh, we're trying to look at all these different races. And what I like now is we've had so much information on the Derby and, and the Triple Crown and, and everything that we kind of get lost. You know, we kind of get focused on, um, you know, all these races coming up, the Derby prep races, who's doing what, where are they going, you know, all the interviews. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you, you really don't know. It's a day-to-day thing in the horse business. Uh, same thing with the uh, with the horse shows, the standard breads, the quarter courses. Let me give you a good example. We had some unfortunate incidents here over the last couple of weeks. Um, we got a, a load of bad hay came into the facility for some of our trainers. Uh, horses got real sick. Some of them are still sick. Same thing happened up at Wellington. Uh, it, it was a bad load of hay. Uh, we had a couple that have died here uh, because of the hay. Uh, same thing up at Wellington. And so, you know, you just never can tell what happens. You know, in the business, whether it's weather, whether it's feed, you know, hay, whatever, uh, you know, that type of thing. 
you know, so it, it's tough. There's a lot. There's a lot to getting your horses to the horse shows. Uh, for example, hey, we got the Olympics coming up here in July. We got the Triple Crown in May, May and June, and uh, then we've got um, you know the Olympics that are coming up, and we've got some really good Olympic horses here. And uh, I tell you, it's going to be really good to see. Um, you know, it's a whole different thing. They've been fighting for four years, you know, to get get a horse in, you know, to the Olympics, and you just got to be real careful about, you know, what you do and how you do it, you know, and where you go. But you know, all in all, about today's show, I know I've rambled on a lot and everything, but um, the main thing that we're trying to get across is is one distribution of equine information for all breeds. Uh, two. Uh, there's some type of equine event that you can go to in your area if you just Google horses. It'll tell you from small shows, maybe the big shows. You know, it'll give you all the information that you need to know, and then you can choose where you would like to go and maybe like uh, put the Kentucky Horse Park on your vacation list in the summer uh, or the Florida Horse Park or, or Wellington uh, at the showgrounds or to the uh, – uh, Tryon um, International Equestrian Center in North Carolina. Um, there's all kinds of places. Parker, Colorado is a good uh, a good show to go see. Thermal California is a good show to go see. Uh, there's a lot of good shows, you know, all, all around. And you know, plan your schedule out. You know, make it a family deal. Uh, get, rent you an RV and, and go go see the horse world because the horse world is everywhere around you. It's part of our society, our culture. Um, one of the things that uh, I really do like, and I tell you, no no trainer has ever won this race twice. No uh, horse has ever won this race twice. And that's very unusual in the horse business. That's something that's very, very unusual, is not to have a horse win, you know, win a race twice. Um, this is a race. It's the Pegasus World Cup Invitational States. Is an American thoroughbred horse race whose first running was on January 28, 2017, at Gulfstream Park in Hollandale Beach, Florida. It's run over the dirt at a distance of a mile and a half, eight, which is nine furlongs, and it's open to horses, four-year-olds, and up. The Grade One rating was assumed from the Don Handicap that was ran at um, Gulfstream, which they renamed, you know, the Pegasus. Uh, the purse is a $12 million purse. $12 million. That's a lot of money. Um, you got horses that are invited to it, uh, from all over the world. From all over the world. Um, I tell you, it's going to be something that's interesting. Uh, Google Pegasus World Cup Invitational. It's going to be held at Gulfstream Park in Hollandale Beach, Florida. Um, it's, it's really a, a great, great, uh, race to go see. Uh, it's a mile and an eight, uh, nine for longs, as I said. It's on the dirt, left handed turn, four year olds and up, 124 pounds for the jockey. Um, you know what I like about it? Is it draws people in. And Gulfstream has, has, has built itself up to one nice facility. It's what I would call the Disney World, uh, of, uh, of thoroughbred racing. Um, they've got a lot of uh, fine restaurants there. Uh, they've got a lot of entertainment that's there. Uh, it's more than just a horse race. It's entertainment. And, you know, if if I were back in my day when I was running young, uh, I, I would be going, I would be going to that. I would be going to that just, just for the weekend. Uh, you know, it's really good, but I'm in the business, so I'm there every week, and it still excites me, you know, to see the Pegasus, see the Derby, see all these things, experience. Uh, and what's nice is I'm not active in the racing end anymore like I used to be. But what I like about it is it's still good entertainment, and I enjoy myself. All my friends do and my family do. So equestrians, no matter where you're at, Google horse events in your area and go out and see a horse show. Go see a horse race. Go go to the sales. Uh, you go watch polo. Uh, go watch a, a quarter horse event. But be a part of the industry. Thank you for listening. Thank you for not calling me.
I appreciate that more than anything. Nobody called me. I'm so excited. I dodged that bullet. Boy, oh boy, I'm living right, I guess. But have a good New Year's and see something equestrian and uh, take the family out to it. We'll talk to you next Friday at 2 o'clock on International Equine Report.